2, The Power of More from Brockmeier and Zalo. Innovation Thinking. Today's episode is about the future of TV. We have Maria Rua Aguete in the studio. She is a senior director of media and entertainment at Omdia. Before we get our guest into the conversation, I would like to introduce the co-host of the podcast, Dieter Brockmeier, the innovation expert at the Diplomatic World Institute. Hello, Dieter. How are you today? Oh, always good. And uh, this time it's Maria. And uh, she, over the years, has become a really dear friend and a very reliable friend. And that's, one, uh, that's a rare attrib uh, attribute. And I'm uh, really happy uh, to have her here and to discuss the future of television with her. Yeah, our special guest, Maria. You are from Spain, more precisely from Galicia. Maria is since 20 years in the UK and working in the media and entertainment industry. She is a managing researcher at Omdia that is part of Informa. There she is responsible for trends, forecasts and predictions for cinema, TV and consumer behavior. She is a frequent speaker at the IBC, the Mobile World Congress, the Los Angeles virtual screenings and other top events. We are finding her posts on Bloomberg, the Financial Times, the BBC and Sky News, just to name a few. She is a VIP member of the jury of the Holistic World Innovation Trophy. Hello, Maria. Thank you very much for joining us today. How are you? Hello. Thank you very much for inviting me today. And yes, you are correct. Maria Ruagete. I'm Spanish, as many people already realize because of my accent, from Galicia, And I'm very happy to be here today because, as Dieter said, not only we are colleagues in the industry, we also became very good friends and I really respect his work. So I'm very honored that he invited me to be here with both of you today to discuss trends in the media industry. So thank you very much. Looking forward to this fantastic conversation with the two of you. How do you feel as one of the 20 most important influencers of the global TV industry? I am very honored to work in this industry, uh, not so much for being one of the top 20 influencers, but just because I can work in something I'm so passionate about. So to make your work something that you love, as it is the media industry, I'm very lucky, I'm very proud about that. So uh, it's very good to work in something you really love. 2020 was a booming year for Amazon, Netflix, Disney and Co. How about 2021? What is the future of TV? Very good question. Because very recently, Netflix published results and everyone was in shock. The results are terrible. They only got 4 million new additions. This is below expectations. What is happening? What is happening is something we already expected at Omdia. 2020 was a great year for the streaming video. It was a horrible year for everyone, for the world terrible year with the pandemic, but because people were locked at home, they spent more time than ever watching TV. And not only watching free content that also was on the rise, but subscribing to new video streaming services. No other year in history had so many new additions, like 2020. So many people that they wanted to subscribe to a video service, they did. Hence, the winners in uh, 2020 were Netflix, Disney Plus, and Amazon. 
and these year things will be uh, slower. Growth cannot be as fast, it's impossible to be in the same way it was in 2020. Also, things are reopening, cinemas are reopening, other types of entertainment is reopening, so people will be able to spend their money, their entertainment budget, in other things, not just subscribing to video streaming. So that's what we, we call from a boom year, we will have a COVID-19 cooling during 2021. Well, uh, to me, it, uh, it's very expectable. Uh, uh, the growth rates were tremendous last year. I think Disney says that, that um, they were growing six, six times faster than they had predicted in their business plan. And this can't go on forever. At one point, you have a mature market, and uh, this was coming a lot faster than everybody predicted. And of course, now it's, it's slower. So that's nothing new. Correct, Dieter. But again, you saw uh, headlines saying uh, unexpected, uh, slow growth, what is happening. Nothing is happening, as you said, because so many people subscribe in 2020. Obviously, the growth will be slower. For Disney, it was a fantastic year as well. In this, For Disney, streaming Disney+, Plus, because also Disney is suffering other aspects of their business. They had all the uh, parks closed, so they also had losses from there. But for Disney+, Plus, the streaming video... It was a good year as families were locked at home together. Many kids couldn't go to school. So in order to entertain those kids, uh, many families decided to subscribe to Disney, to Disney Plus, and on the top to buy for premium content, what we call P-Bot. So paying for titles like Trolls and others, more than $20 per title. So 2020 was very unexpected year in terms of the pandemic and since it was so unexpected, families spent more money in things that they wouldn't if uh, kids were at school, if things were running as usual. Well, it wasn't so good for others in the industry. I mean, uh, when we looked, uh, Time Warner announced to close down uh, the entire sales unit, where they, uh, the unit that was selling TV content to other channels. So six, say, 600 people were made redundant, almost the entire or the entire uh, unit. But uh, this also shows that there is a, has been a big shift. Of course, they didn't do it due to the pandemic. It is just a which was caused by the entire development in the industry that everybody is uh, trying to use as much original content as they can get or as they can produce. And of course, this is limiting the, the sales and is sending down the, the prices for library content. Uh, what do you think? Uh, what will the impact, uh, the further impact on, of this development? So Dieter, of course, in 2020, many people lost their jobs. Some of this is due to the pandemic, but some of this is due to other factors. So consolidation in the media industry has been happening for the last years. Acquisitions, takeovers, companies buying other companies, moving to digital, change of strategy. As a result, it is true that every day we see a new announcement of cost cuttings or, or people uh, making people redundant. Sadly, this is the case. And it will still happen in the next years. Also, another question that we keep, they keep asking us, do we think all these streaming video services they will succeed? Is there room for so many D2C services? No, we don't believe all of them will succeed. Many of them have closed down, many more to come. 
We know what happened with Quibi last year after they invested so much money in this mobile video service. It didn't survive, it closed down. And what we expect, Dieter, going forward for companies to survive is what I said, partnerships. So I don't believe in the term who will win this battle, there is a war between services. I think we have to change the mentality and think about partnerships. If you go with the mentality that you are competing against someone, that there is a battle, that there is war, uh, I'm fighting against Amazon, fighting against Netflix or HBO, you will go nowhere. I think those companies that will succeed going forward will those that they manage the highest number of partnerships. So rather than seeing each other as a competitor, how can I benefit from a partnership with you? Mm-hmm. Happening not only in the content industry with movies and series, it happens in sports as well. So the sports streaming services like the song are becoming strong. They're revolutionizing the sports industry as well. Buying key rights in Syria in Italy. So more disruption, more transformation going forward. And only those who partner, who bundle the offers, will be those who survive going forward. Uh, I have uh, been, uh, I, I read an uh, analyst command and uh, he um, is predicting that in this war that's going on between platforms that the studios um, have the, um, the least chance because other uh, platforms and new tech companies like Amazon and, and, and Netflix, they are much uh, they are much faster and they already have the subscriber base that uh, studios have first to con- uh, have first to develop. Of course, uh, Disney has um, has had a head start too, but others might be actually in trouble. What do you think? What's the future of, of studios? That's what I'm saying. So, uh, I mean, Disney for sure is a strong brand that it will succeed. So in 2025, for us, the top three video streaming services without speaking about the Chinese ones, that they are uh, have more than 100 million subscribers, some of those services, but without uh, speaking about Chinese streaming services, the top three in 2025 will be uh, Netflix, Disney, and Amazon in this order. So uh, Netflix number one, Disney Plus number two, number three, Amazon. What about the others? The others, in one way or another, will end up partnering with the top three, um, like, you know, there, there has been already announcements, Sony Pictures partnering with Netflix. They will put some of the titles in Netflix and then in other platforms. So that's why I don't talk about war. I will talk about partnerships, knowing who will be leading the race. How can you partner with, with these big with the studios or how do you partner with uh, global tech companies like Amazon, Apple or others? Uh, in terms of video, Apple is well behind the Netflix Amazon, and Amazon and Disney. Uh, they launch video as a way to retain the growth in devices. As you know, Dieter, they were offering the video package free for a year if you were buying a new device. So more that they were they were trying to win the content race, they were trying to not fall behind in the device race versus others like Huawei, Samsung, that they were very strong. So different companies are using video for different strategies. So the investment in video content is very different for Netflix than it is for Disney, for Amazon, or for Apple. They have different things in mind, or the strategy is quite different. How big in terms of viewers is the market for the streaming industry anyway? 
the pay video streaming at the end of 2020 it was 1.1 billion subscribers and we're expecting in 2025 to reach 1.6 billion so we're expecting 500 million new additions in the next five years in what we call pay video or SBOT, subscription video on demand. But uh, also, uh, Christian and Dieter, we are expecting a big growth from ABOT. What is ABOT? Advertising video services. Services like Pluto TV, where you watch lots of content for free. You don't have to pay anything. So, because there are so many pay subscription services and people have a top in the terms of how much money they want to spend in content, what we're seeing is a lot of growth in services that are free, that are being paid or sponsored by advertising. So advertising revenues in the streaming world is already on the rise as well, and most broadcasters and uh, operators are launching A-Bot services. Some of them hybrid models, like Paramount, it has a full pay model, and a cheaper one that includes advertising. So more and more in the video space, we will see pay models, free models, and hybrid, where you can get it cheaper if you include advertising. What will be the role of YouTube? I mean, they, uh, they're absorbing a lot of traffic lately, and will they be, remain a winner of, um, of this development, or will they lose shares? Uh, compared to, uh, to the, uh, well, independent platforms? YouTube, when we asking a consumer survey in November 2020, uh, of all these video services, which one have, have you been using on a monthly basis? In most countries where we run the survey, they put YouTube on the top. So people in around the world has been using YouTube as one of the main sources of content. But saying this, when we, when we say, where do you watch most of the content? Where do you spend more hours? Then other platforms come on the top. But you are correct that YouTube is one of the most, is one of the, it was the favorite uh, video place for many people around the globe, in the US, UK, and many countries. So far, we were talking about TV and streaming. How about the real world? How about the cinema world? Is this a dead horse? Not a dead horse at all, but great question again, because 2020 was a horrible year for the cinema industry, horrible year for theaters. They were closed, uncertainty when they could reopen, because nothing was clear. There is still a bit of uncertainty now across countries. Are we coming to another wave? What is happening? So horrible year for theatrical, for cinemas, more than 30 billion lost for theaters closed. Which raises another question. Are they dead? No, they are not. As soon as cinemas are reopening, uh, we saw in the US with uh, Godzilla versus Kong how quickly people went back because people are missing the experience of, of watching content in a cinema. And also, Christian, during the pandemic, studios tried different windows, like we're going to release titles straight into streaming, we're going to release them under Pivot, we're going to charge premium for that title, um, and we keep, everyone is asking us this question, do we think this will continue going forward? Do we believe, like that announcement that Warner did last year, releasing movies straight into cinema and the streaming will happen, will continue? 
No, we don't believe it. We believe that studios will need cinema. Cinema is not dead, not at all. It will come strong. People are missing going to the cinema and the studios need cinema because the revenues they get from streaming did not compensate what they lost through cinemas being closed. And I can uh, tell you samples of uh, companies like Paramount who sold coming to America to Amazon for $125 million, or Sony sold Tom Hams Greyhound to Apple for $70 million. But there are other titles like the Bond movie that will still need cinema that, that why they have been waiting for uh, theatrical for cinemas to reopen to be there because in order to be profitable uh, MGM will need uh, to charge some uh, another streaming service at least 600 million dollars uh, to get the money they could be a theatrical so studios need cinema Yes, the relation has changed. It will change going forward. The Windows system will change. It will be shorter. But studios need cinema still, especially for big blockbusters, big hits that, uh, like James Bond movie, No Time to Die. Content must come from somewhere. What is happening to the production and distribution markets? So during the pandemic, many of the shows were on hold. Uh, many series wouldn't uh, take place. They have to stop them. There were many streaming services and broadcasters that they have some uh, content to be released. Uh, Netflix and others released uh, new content even during 2020. Also, there was a lot of old catalog. Uh, people felt nostalgic and they were watching what we call comfort viewing. So in the same uh, way that we have comfort eating, people uh, eating comfort food, Uh, there was a term called comfort watching, people going back to all catalog, all movies. So many studios make use of this to release all catalog of content. And during the pandemic also, especially sports streaming services, they decided to produce new content uh, thanks to uh, remote production or news content based on uh, the lives of people that were locked at home or famous sports people speaking about their day-to-day -day life. So there was originals being produced as well. Many were on hold, but uh, at the end of the year, they resumed the production. So we will see new series, new content being released this year. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this will be... Uh, it's, it's, uh, very much of it is produced for the platforms directly. So you also see that, like RTL Now... Um, Or, or RTL Plus, what they call it, was TV, uh, TV now before in Germany. Everything they produce uh, first is pre premiering on the on the streaming platform, and some of the stuff is exclusively pro produced for it. So you have a huge shift into that. Everybody tries to produce his own um, his own original uh, content to differentiate from other platforms, and I think this is a trend that will go on for a while. The question is. Well, uh, how can this be refinanced when the uh, when the sailing to uh, or the sales to other channels uh, are limited? I think co-production or increased number of co-production and cooperation can uh, be a way out. There's a lot of movement in the production market right now. Yes, and and again, Dieter, going back to how we started the, the conversation, partnerships, co-productions, partnering with others. Once you produce. That content, it can be exclusive in your platform for the first year. 
but nothing stops you in the year to, to sell it to other platforms or globally. So many of the big hits in Netflix or Amazon, they started as big hits in the local markets and then they were sold to these global platforms. So again, uh, how smaller companies can profit from this is just uh, exclusive original content is key. But then is where can you sell it? What are the windows that you have in mind? It can be exclusive in your platform for a while and then you can move to a global platform next. So also you don't need to spend a fortune in series to be successful. Some of the more successful local series are, are not the ones with more funding or put more money on it. So it is a way also to rethink about content, to rethink about what people want, um, and not so much about how you will, you will compete against Game of Thrones, which, which series uh, can create local appetite that can travel well globally. Well, we have seen it with, uh, with Babylon Berlin in Germany. And actually what we are seeing right now is a it's an increase in quality production by a degree that has never been in Germany in TV production before. So it really is influencing markets in a positive way. The question yes, is how the, long this will uh, will go on. And not only that, Dieter, because big studios, they want to keep their exclusives in their own platform, like Paramount, Warner and others. They will want to keep exclusive and then maybe they will pull it out from broadcasters broadcasters will need to fill that gap. So mm -hmm. that will be, again, yeah. of a, mm -hmm. a positive thing for local production companies that they need to generate more content to fill the gaps that they are being left by those big uh, studios saying, you know what, I'm going to keep this exclusive in my platform. You will no longer have this title. So it can be an opportunity. We did a survey around production companies. How do they feel about studios uh, pulling out content And for them, it meant an opportunity to produce content for those broadcasters that they needed. For consumers, it's a different story. Consumers have told us that, in fact, for them, sometimes it's a bad thing. When now studios start uh, pulling out content and then to watch your favorite series, you have to subscribe to three, four different video services, it can make many customers annoyed or upset or many times they even said it could be a reason for piracy. We no longer know where that title is available, or even uh, sometimes it's easier for us to find it illegally than through legitimate sources. So And This is also a reason, I think, why uh, subscriber figures can't grow uh, in, um, without limits, because uh, we have increasing competition and, of course, Not everybody will subscribe to each uh, to every platform. Of course, of course. At the moment, we didn't we didn't reach what we call subscriber fatigue. The number of services per home is still growing, but for sure there is a amount of money that people are prepared to spend. That's why in when the US we saw cord cutting is because uh, subscribers to pay TV thought they were paying too much for the content, and that uh, moment will arrive for soon streaming. You're not going to end up paying for 10 services and pay more than $100 a month or 100 euros. There will be a limit on how much people are prepared to spend. And this will, uh, the role of aggregators, whoever the aggregator is, if it's a telco, if it's a cable company, or if it's Amazon, Apple, or whoever, uh, the role of aggregator will be really important to aggregate content. 
So the last question for today, Maria, this is probably an easy one for you. What is the future of linear TV? The future of linear TV, you will see all the time in headlines, linear TV is dead. It's not. It had never died. It's, a still, it's almost like the movie James Bond. <laughs> no time to die because linear TV is not dead and it will not die anytime soon. The opposite, uh, people do enjoy that linear experience. They don't like to be trying to think what they want to watch next constantly. Even video on demand services like Netflix are trialing the linear experience. Pluto TV is doing it as well. Uh, people also like, uh, although they like binge watching, they also like the episodic release of one episode a week and wait for that time to watch it. Linear TV is not dead. It was on the rise during the pandemic. It went down a bit now again, but it is still the preferred way for people to watch content. So don't believe what you see in headlines. Linear TV is not dead and it will not die anytime soon. Well, I think it will have a similar fate uh, like uh, the radio. Uh, it, the, the same was predicted for radio when TV came up, and uh, it's still very alive. It has become a side media, and people are just using it in the, in the background. And also, what I think the linear TV will, will become in, a, in, a, in the long run is more like a clear window for pay and streaming services. So a promotion platform for the premiering platforms with the exclusive content. And it will be new sorts, new types of linear TV based on artificial intelligence that will know what you like to watch, Dieter. Your linear viewing may be very different to the one Christian or myself have based on what we know you like. Uh, we can create a channel, a linear experience for you based on your uh, type of content. But with this, I just want to say you Thank you to both of you. If you need more information about media trends, you know where to find me, Maria at Omdia. But it has been a pleasure to spend time with you. Thank you very much. That was Maria Rua Aghete from Omdia about the future of TV. Thank you for the background information and the conversation. Thank you. Two, the power of more. From Brockmeier and Zalo. Innovation thinking. 